0: employees and contractors what are your legal exposures it's a hotly debated question in the gym world and the answer is going to have a huge effect on your business i've got a lawyer with me he owns a gym he's going to tell you exactly what your legal exposures might be and how to limit your risk this is run a profitable gym i'm your host mike Workington. do me a favor hit the subscribe button wherever whatever platform you're on i would really appreciate it now my guest matthew Becker. He is the founder of GymLawyers.com, and he runs Industrial Athletics in Pittsburgh. We're going to dig into employees and contractors so that you can reduce your risk and make smart decisions for your business. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good
1: morning, Mike. I'm doing really well. How are you this morning?
0: I always love having a gym owning lawyer here to answer questions that I wish I had the answer to ten years ago, and that will help our our listeners right now. So I'm going to dig right in. Employees, contractors, third party contractors. Mm -hmm. Where do the risks arise? Like, where do the risks arise for gym owners, and how can we limit them? Okay, yeah.
1: So great question. So as we get into this, let me start just by saying what I'm. Gonna shy away from it will be covered a little bit in conversation, but what I really don't want to, to spend our time talking about today is what concerns we have to worry about with the IRS. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's always, there, there's a million things out there, there's a million resources out. There. You go to my website. I think you and I have talked about it before. I've talked about it with Chris about what we need to do in order to consider somebody an employee versus an independent contractor as far as control is concerned. What I would like to focus on is what legal exposures we need to be concerned about as gym owners, depending on how we decide to classify our staff members for tax purposes.
0: So you've got your ducks in a row. You know what you're doing. You decided I'm either contractors, employees, third party. Now the question is, what are my risks and how do I limit them? That's correct. Okay, let's do it.
1: So we're going to break these down. Each staff member or person that we are dealing with, let's say, is going to be in falling into one of three categories. We're either going to have the employee, we're going to have an independent contractor, or it, technically this last category is an independent contractor, but it's going to be slightly different. It's going to be a third-party company that comes in and uses our facility under what we call a facility sublease agreement. Okay. And so what are all of our legal exposures through between those three categories? Let's start with the employee. So this is going to be- Very common.
0: Yeah, yeah. super common.
1: (laughs) The person, the staff member that comes in and we're paying them as employees, which basically means we are paying them under tax purposes for we're matching their federal contribution and we can give them benefits and we can give them scheduled time off or sick leave or, or PTO or, or anything like that. And this is by far the least concerning when it comes to legal exposure on our part as gym owners. However, it's also the most costly for us as gym owners because of the tax purposes, right? We have to pay their federal matches, but also we have to maintain workers' compensation and unemployment insurance. And so that's where we come into play with what are the the legal exposures that we run the risk of when we have an employee. Um, Okay, so whenever you have an employee, you have to have workers' compensation insurance. Um, And that basically, Covers if the employee comes in, trips, falls, and injures themselves, or you know is helping a member um, lift a weight or whatever, and injures themselves. Whatever it is, they inj- injure themselves on the job. They can be compensated for their time off if they need to take that time off. Okay, so that protects us. That insurance protects us against an injury lawsuit that comes from the employee, not. Completely protection, not a bulletproof protection, but protects us from them. Okay. But there's a cost associated with that, um, that insurance policy. We have our general insurance policy for the for the gym itself, which oftentimes our general liability insurance policy is going to cover employees and trainers. I'm not talking about Covering the the employee and the trainer in the sense of an injury that the employee or the trainer uh, gets involved in. I'm talking about that employee or that trainer injuring their client. Okay, so,
0: so like liability insurance, kind of, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your general liability policy um, is going to cover you from legal exposure when we're dealing with employees or trainers, and I, I keep making that distinction because your general liability insurance policy will potentially cover your independent contractors and we're going to talk about that more specifically when we talk about independent contractors okay but we're we're fully uh, as protected as possible when we have an employee because our general liability insurance is going to cover us we have workers comp insurance that is going to cover us if anybody goes to sue the employee for anything that they did it automatically comes back on the business and we're as covered as possible, okay? The problem is it's also the most costly for us.
0: Okay, so you could make mistakes there by just like not filling out your paperwork and not paying the remittances that you are due. Would that be an error that the gym owner could make?
1: Yes, uh, if the gym owner doesn't maintain workers' compensation policy, that is gonna be a big, big issue um, because similar... To the IRS. You you can get audited by, sometimes, by your workers' compensation um, organization that, that governs that for your state. Especially, this comes up if an employee gets injured and they go to make a workers' compensation claim, or if you go to fire an employee and they go to make an unemployment compensation claim, and you don't have those proper insurances in place, now you are really legally exposed. Okay. Um, and sometimes in certain states, the you're more running a risk of being audited by workers' compensation to make sure that you're paying into workers' compensation insurance than you are by the IRS. Um, and the workers' compensation can actually come in and they can start questioning how you have your tax designation for staff. Because if you aren't if you're if you're considering everybody to be independent contractors and you're not paying workers' compensation you know then the state's losing out on money and it's losing out on money similarly to the way that the IRS is losing out on money and it wants its money so you run <laughs> the risk of getting an audit there
0: okay so employees, important considerations there. You have to get your, everything in line according to the standards in your jurisdiction. I'm up in Canada. We have similar stuff. It's not exactly the same, but it's pretty mm-hmm. close. You have to make payroll withholding remittances, and you have to do unemployment insurance and pension and all that other stuff. So make sure that you're up to date on that. What else have we got?
1: Yeah. So so let, we'll take that as, as you're the most protected, but you're also, it's the most costly. Mm-hmm. So- Gym owners have very, very thin, profitable lines sometimes. So we're going to try to cut some of those costs. So the second category is we're going to decide that we're now going to start to consider our staff members to be independent contractors. So we can reduce our costs now because we don't have to pay for um, employment tax matching for for the IRS. We don't have to maintain... Workers' compensation policies, and we don't have to maintain anything involving unemployment because you can't technically fire an independent contractor. They don't work for you, really, right? I mean, this is where we kind of get in this little gray area, but Mm -hmm. you don't technically work for you, so you don't really fire them. You just sort of terminate your contract with them. And so they cannot turn around now and and sue you for unemployment compensation. And I won't go off in the weeds in that statement, just they technically can't sue you for- It is a
0: hot debate, I'll tell you that, you know it.
1: (laughs) I'm not going down that road, I promise. We're going to stick with the legal stuff here, not taxes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all right. So now we start to run into some concerns about are we treating these staff members truly as independent contractors? and what are some legal stuff that starts to blend the lines between employee versus independent contractor yes tax purposes it's going to be uh, it's we're we're worried about that element of control right the more control we exhibit over the staff member the more they're an employee versus an independent contractor but some of the discussions that we get involved with with uh, with with other gym owners when it comes to Independent contractors is uh, how do we start to set these these independent contractors up legally to protect the gym owners as much as possible legally? Okay, and and first and foremost is uh, we need an independent contractor agreement. Um, so uh, when we're when we're fighting against workers' compensation, we're fighting against the IRS, you know, for tax purposes. The work the independent contractor agreement will not be an end all be all of well. I had this staff member sign an independent contractor agreement, so I'm good to go, they're an independent contractor, I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't quite work that way, but the independent contractor agreement is sort of one layer of additional protection and help for your categorization of those people as independent contractors. And from an attorney's perspective, paper everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have this independent contractor agreement. And within that, we start to set the expectations that are going to be between us as the gym owner and you as the staff member that are going to again lean toward that independent contractor designation. One of those is having your independent contractors form their own LLCs, okay? And this is one that that we get a lot of pushback on Okay, but if you think about it for a second, an independent contractor is a self-employed individual. I, as a gym owner, am a self-employed individual. I, as a gym owner, have my own LLC. That's one of the ways I designate myself as a self-employed individual to enjoy protection from a limited liability company. I want to treat my staff member as a self employed individual, so they too should have their own LLCs. Okay. And you should be paying into that LLC to protect you to show that you are paying another company for the services that they are providing.
0: Listeners, Matt has another show where he talks about the concept of piercing the corporate veil. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because it tells you the things that you can mess up with a corporation that removes the protections that it should give you. So I'm going to put a link to the show notes in that if you want to learn more about that. All right, sorry, Matt, continue.
1: No, no. All good, all good. Uh, okay, so that's sort of like you know legal requirement number. Number one was get the written agreement. Number two is now get them to do their own LLC. Number three is requiring your independent contractors to maintain their own insurance. And this is another one of these pushbacks we get because you're going to have an hourly coach that comes in let's just just let's talk crossfit right Mm -hmm. majority listeners probably have some sort of crossfit group-based service here right you're going to have your coach come in and they're going to coach a a class right just an hourly class and if you're following you know the the two brain model or the state of the industry address or 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 book and, and you read that and you see that the average price to pay an hourly coach is $20 an hour. So you pay your coaches $20 an hour, right? And then you get on the phone with me and I say, well, if you're going to treat that hourly coach as an independent contractor, that hourly coach really needs to have their own insurance policy. That's a hard thing to do. Um, And it gets even muddier when gyms are trading hourly coaching for free memberships with their coaches. And that's how they're getting paid, right? Because now you really, you're going to go out and ask that that coach that's kind of working for you for free to maintain their own insurance policy. But here's the problem. If you're a staff member of mine and I'm treating you as an independent contractor and you injure somebody, okay, and, and the gym gets sued, I have to be prepared to accept the liability of that lawsuit for you as an independent contractor, okay? And, and a lot of gyms are going to say, well, okay, like I get that, I'll do that. But then I have to ask the question, well, if you were hiring any other business to come into your gym and they got sued, would you want to cover the liability for that business? And oftentimes the answer is no.
0: For example, if you hired a contractor to come in and replace your plumbing and all of a sudden a pipe burst and scalded, you know, God forbid, a a client or something, would you want to be responsible for the poor plumbing work? Is that a fair example?
1: That's a fair example because you're paying that contractor as an independent contractor, right? Right. And so part of being an independent contractor means they maintain their own liability. And some states have real specific rules about this stuff, that they have to maintain their own liability. But, if you're willing to cover that liability on behalf of your independent contractor, you're now muddy in the waters, and you're giving yourself a lot of legal exposure for somebody that you're considering to be an independent contractor.
0: okay. so what that what I'm seeing here is that this arrangement to be as you know as insulated as possible is that you have to require of your independent contractors. A little bit of extra work; they have to form an LLC, and up here in Canada, uh, it's some quite a little bit different. But like, there is a cost associated Great. doing that. Yeah. You have to fire, uh, file uh, annual corporate tax returns, I believe, and I'm sure that's the same uh, down there. Uh, there is a legal cost of incorporation and so forth, and then liability insurance is another cost. So, an independent contractor in that arrangement would have like the coach would have some additional costs. Correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Okay, that's correct. And yeah. then you
0: won't want to do that necessarily. I think if you push them,
1: right. No, they're not going to want to absorb that cost. And, you know, and and the other, the other, the other potential issue that you walk into as, as an, um, as a gym owner, you know, and here's where, here's where we can't avoid the discussion of the taxes. Okay. But we're just not really going down that road, but, but we'll go down that road for a second. So, you know we have en- we have employees we have independent contractors. What's the proper tax designation? What's the proper amount of control or or benefit that we can give to our staff member? And as soon as you start providing your staff members benefits, workers' compensation insurance, um, unemployment compensation insurance, or general liability insurance you start to walk that really fine line of are you providing your staff member benefits? And as soon as you start to provide them benefits, they can no longer be categorized as an independent contractor. Okay. Okay. So so we've got, you know, you need the agreement. You need a written agreement. We really need them to be establishing themselves as LLCs. It's the cheapest and most inexpensive way down here in the States to do it. And we really need them to maintain their own insurance policies because it's going to protect you as a gym owner, not only from these whole tax tax designation things, but from general liability. If the independent contractor gets sued, do you as the gym owner want to be pulled in to have to cover that?
0: Okay. And I think I see some benefits to the contractor. I'm going to lay them out as I see them. You tell me if I'm correct. One Uh would be if they have an LLC and they're set up as an LLC You know, a a lawsuit is likely going to not be uh, able to like take their personal assets because their 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 corporation would be uh, at risk. Is that correct or no?
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, You know, go back and listen to the piercing the corporate veil to make sure that you know we we don't just give an unqualified yes. If you file an LLC, you're protected. Right, it's not nothing in the laws. It offers some
0: protection, not airtight, but it is better than not having it at all. Especially if you follow the right procedures. Okay? And yes. then the second thing is, uh, and this I'm going to use a Canadian example, so correct me here on the U.S. side, yep. but uh, if you're a contractor and you're not paying, uh, you're not having withholding taxes and paying into like pension plans and things like that, you now have that money that you can invest now as you see fit. Potentially get a better return on the investment than the government might do with your money, and you can access it how you see fit And you still have to pay taxes but i'm talking about like pension kind of stuff you could like the other thing i'm going to relate to that is if for example if you've paid into a pension plan the canada pension plan up here for years and you die that's it whereas if you have your own independent investments those investments can be passed on to someone else in a different way so how does that does that relate to the in the u.s example as well
1: yeah yeah a lot of that is is very similar um, exactly how all the pensions and everything work I can't speak to individually, me neither um, but <laughs> but yes, um you take that extra money, you can now turn around it and, and and you can use it to benefit yourself um, and not and not just hand it over to the government. Um,
0: it would be a self-directed retirement plan essentially if you're you know following that path, and again, don't take this as hardcore tax advice, neither uh I nor Matt are experts in that john briggs insight tax and accounting would be a great great reference point for you if you have questions specific about this stuff but we're touching on it just as an idea of where there are some benefits from the contractor side all right keep going matt yeah
1: yeah and 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 frankly you know I, if i ever end up having to go work for somebody else god forbid <laughs> because none of these ideas ever pan out in the long run um, <laughs> I will probably go and ask that I could be an independent contractor or a self-employed individual with whoever wants me to work for them. Because there's there's once you get in, involved in it, there's a lot of tax benefits for being a self-employed individual. But you got to follow the proper paths. Okay. Um, and so and and ultimately, you know the the, the last caveat on before we move on to you know person or, or subject number three is you as the gym owner, you also need to reach out to your accountant. If, you go to, if, you, if you're if you with Insight Tax, good. John Briggs is going to defend you until the day he dies about having your staff members as independent contractors, and he's going to help you set it up that way. Other accountants are not so clear-cut and dry about the, the matter. And if you end up getting audited, it's going to be your accountant who ultimately has to produce the evidence that's going to defend you one way or the other. And if you've got an accountant who is really you know, uncertain about you categorizing your staff members as independent contractors, then you really need to take that into consideration, whether you go ahead and categorize all of them as employees, or you find yourself a new accountant, uh, because okay.
0: that reminds me kind of, of a quick Tom Cruise story where apparently uh, Matt Damon was relating this as Tom Cruise was uh, telling this crazy stunt he wanted to do. His stunt man was like, you can't do that. And Matt says, so wh- what did you do instead? He's like, I got a new safety guy. (laughs) So you might (laughs) want to find a new accountant if you need it. I'm just joking, of course, but you get that's That's the point. So Matt, now let's move on to like third-party kind of stuff. I'm guessing this would involve something like I sublease an office to a physiotherapist or something like that. Am I right?
1: Exactly.
0: Okay. How do Uh, we insulate ourselves here as best we can?
1: So this is like the true instance of an independent contractor. Um, And where we oftentimes see this pop up is we have to ask the question of who is the gym client paying. So in the instance of the employee and in the instance of like the independent contractor coach, or even your independent contractor personal trainer, who's working on some sort of like a four nines model, okay, the money should come into the gym. And then the gym is moving this out into uh, or paying the coach. Okay. In instances where we see, well, the the gym or the 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 client is actually paying the coach or the trainer, and then the trainer is paying the gym. Um, you know, now we walk into an instance of sort of like a, a true third party independent contractor, and we've got other legal considerations now that we have to 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 take on. So, you know, yes, you know, Mike, you said you know we've got a physio who is renting space, or we have a high school. A Football team who wants to come in and use the gym and for because you have access to various types of equipment that they can to get at the high school, um, or you know you have a you have extra space so you're going to have somebody come in and teach some other sort of class, but they're coming in as their own business and they're paying you a fee essentially in order to use your facility, okay, and we call these facility subleases. Um, because now, uh, we, we have this person who's coming in, um, they're likely going to have their own LLC. So that's a good start. And then let's say they agree to pay you like $300 a month in order to use your facility. Or they say, we're going to service your clients for, through our physio practice, and we'll pay you, you know, $20 per client or something like that. Great. Cool. Awesome way to get some passive income however there are three things now legally that we need with this individual the first hand, or the first is this facility sublease agreement okay similar to the independent contractor agreement this is going to lay out the expectations with this third party so that uh, we're all on the same page about how much are they paying what kind of access do they get do they get to use some of your equipment, or do they get to only use their own equipment? Can they store things in your facility? How much of your facility do they get to use? How do we terminate this agreement? All right, so we have to have this agreement that outlines all of these uh, legal contracts or legal connections and relationships. Number two, go ahead, Mike.
0: No, no, that's that. It's okay. it's paperwork, guys. So get your paperwork done and make sure that it's there. And if you don't know how to do it, talk to a guy like Matt or a girl. Continue.
1: Pay for this stuff. Number no. two, the second thing, this company or this person now needs their own liability waiver. Okay. And you need a copy of that liability waiver so that you can have somebody like us or another attorney review it to make sure that it's sufficient. Um, because again, rewind our conversation back about 10 minutes ago when we were talking about whether or not you as the gym owner want to cover the liability for your independent contractor. And when we're just talking about a group coach, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the gym, he's, he's coaching for the gym. So sure, we're going to cover that in the liability. Well, now you've got some physio coming in and they're working on your clients. If your client sues that physio, you're going to want to cover that liability? Yeah, absolutely your answer not. Should be no. <laughs> okay, yeah, no I, I do not. question for you. Your answer should be no. You do not want to cover that liability. So they need their own Uh, own liability waiver. And in case you aren't guessing what's up next, they need their own insurance.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So, and you need to be named as an additional insured on that insurance. Um, So, you know, we'll have gyms and they come to us and they say, well, you know, we just have these personal trainers and yeah, you know, they, they work for my gym. But the clients pay them, and then and then they pay us, and you know, is, we don't want to deal with that. And and they're independent contractors, uh, and so they, you know, we just want the money to go to them because we think it muddies the water if the money comes to us, the gym, and then we pay the trainer. Like, fine, that's great, but now we need to layer this stuff in. Does that trainer have their own liability waiver? Does that trainer have their own insurance? Do you have a, a, some sort of a sublease agreement with this trainer? outlining all of these terms because if you don't then you're really exposing yourself legally to any problems that could come up if this third-party company trainer injures somebody or has a contract dispute or something like that
0: okay so this stuff is interesting And what it you know as a gym owner sitting here and you're one as well you sit here and think This is pretty far away from teaching squats, right? You're dealing with like lawyers and contracts and accountants and tax codes and all this stuff, but that is the price of entrepreneurship, right? And it makes a strong, strong case for two things. First is building in a profit margin in your business, right? Or an an expense margin, we'll call it, where you have. Uh, you set your rates so that you make enough to cover expenses like this because you need to, and you don't necessarily, you can do it yourself. If you're very clever, if you're not, you would be wise to retain experts who can advise you and lead you through it. Okay. So like, yeah, think about that for a second. You got to make sure that your business is set up to cover all the bases that you need to cover. And if you don't know how to do that, that's where two brain comes in. That's another expert that will tell you how to do this. And then you've got a guy like Matt who can review this stuff for you. So Matt, if someone is like, okay, this is blowing my mind, but I want to limit my risk. How do I get this fixed without like, cause I don't want to learn the tax code, the legal requirements. How do they do, how do they work with you to get this stuff sorted out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, of course, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's like their head's spinning right now with trying to figure out how to, how to, to, to resolve all this stuff. And, yeah. and so, you know, we, we welcome gym owners to just call us. Um, you can go to the website, gymlawyers lawyers, plural, gymlawyers.com. And and request a consultation. It, it's all free. Um, you can go to the contact site uh, portion of the website. My cell phone's right there. You can text me or call me. Uh, email address is there. You can send me an email. You know any way you want to get a hold of me, uh, because I'm happy and more than willing to get on the phone and have another you know thirty minute conversation to hear about your gym, your trainers, how you're setting this stuff up. And then make suggestions about what you need to add, whether it's a written agreement, whether it's requirement that they need to get their own LLC, whether it's simply requirement that the clients have to now start paying you, the gym owner, instead of your trainer, um, so that we'd avoid some of those other legal exposures that we have. I'm happy to talk about any of this stuff more in depth.
0: Risk limitation isn't a problem when nothing bad, when bad things aren't happening, when bad things happen, you would have wished you had taken some steps. So that's the thing, guys, if you are thinking about like making this a serious business and taking all the steps you can to reduce your risk, limit exposure, check out jimlawyers.com. And in the same thing, John Briggs, Insight Tax Accounting, another good one with the tax code. If you want to dig into that kind of stuff, check this stuff out and get your paperwork in order. So. This has been Run a Profitable Gym. That was gym-owning lawyer, Matthew Becker. He's from GymLawyers.com. Check him out. Thanks for listening. On your way out, I would love it if you guys would subscribe or hit like or leave a comment or review. Whatever platform you're on, give us a little bit of love. It would help us out a lot. Now, here's Chris Cooper with a final message. Hey, it's Two Brain founder, Chris Cooper, with a quick note. We created the Gym Owners United Facebook group to help you run a profitable gym. Thousands of gym owners just like you have already joined. In the group, we share sound advice about the business of fitness every day. I answer questions, I run free webinars, and I give away all kinds of great resources to help you grow your gym. I'd love to have you in that group. It's Gym Owners United on Facebook or go to gymownersunited.com to join. Do it today.